Welcome to the Grace-Based Family Podcast. We're We're your your hosts, hosts, Karis Murray and Michelle Brooke. This is a podcast where we look at the power of grace in the everyday lives of families. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hey, Karis. Hi, Michelle. Hey, so now that our kids are back in school, uh, we thought we would talk about some lessons that we as parents could learn uh, throughout our kids' school years. And two things kind of come to mind here. One, my mother-in-law was a uh, preschool director at a Christian preschool for 25 years. And she said, do you know the number one reason why I lost my teachers and they didn't come back? It was because of the parents. Hmm. It wasn't because teaching was hard or the resources weren't there or the kids were challenging. It was because of the Christian parents. Um, Yikes. And I'm sure that can go with, you know, through any sort of school system. And we have this great uh, blogger here that lives in the Valley. Her name is Sonia Cleverly, and she wrote this great blog um, called Lessons for Parents to Learn This School Year. And we asked her, with her permission, if we could share some of these, because we thought they were so good, these cool snippets um, of some lessons that she learned um, through parenting her boys. And the cool part of this story is Sonia was actually my seventh grade English teacher. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, when she was a student teacher, um, I had her, as she was a wonderful teacher, and she um, loves God and loves learning and loves Mm -hmm. educating kids. And she wrote... um, this blog post with these four lessons and we thought we'd unpack those yeah. today. And she's a veteran mom now too. I mean, she's raised mm-hmm. two great sons that yeah. are both, uh, you know, young adults now off to college. And so mm-hmm. what I loved about this article that we're going to share with you is that it comes both from the perspective of somebody who uh, was an educator, who right. understands the teacher's perspective, but mm-hmm. then also as a mom right. who is coming for, at it from that angle too. So yeah, so I really love these. And, and, you know, this podcast today is is really, it's going to take us to task, I think, mm-hmm. on a little bit of the stuff that, that we can end up inadvertently doing that right. hurts our kids. And like you said, can be uh, a reason that, you know, teachers' jobs are harder. And mm-hmm. like you said, their jobs are hard. They do lack the resources that they need. Kids can be tough, but yeah. they do because they love it. Right. Um, you know, no teacher is doing this to get rich mm-hmm. and to have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. They're doing it because they love kids. So if parents are the reason that, that you know, teachers are leaving the profession, that's it's really sad to me. And so, you know, hopefully um, – we can all do better. But mm-hmm. I think the best reason to do better is because this is better for our kids. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Shaping them. So we thought we'd share some of these lessons with you. Starting off with the first one is that your kids can get a bad teacher at an awesome school. Yeah. And by the same token, they can get an awesome teacher at a, at a bad school. At a bad school. Yeah. So, you know, of course, it, it's a definite... Quote, unquote, bad. You right. know, it's like... I know. Right. You even, yeah. You know what I mean? But... It's a definite red flag if the good isn't outweighing the bad. You know what I mean? If your kid is coming home in tears every single day, and there might be something that needs to be addressed, but a year with a difficult or an unkind or, you know, insert your quality here. Mm -hmm. um, Even just one that just doesn't mesh personality with with them for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy at first to say, oh. As a mom to, or a parent to get defensive, like, okay, I got to call the school. We got to right. see what we can do. We may we might need to switch their class or their teacher. Um, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a waste of a year. I don't know. Did you ever have a difficult year with yeah. teachers growing up? Yeah, I had. I mean, in elementary school where you had the same teacher 
all year, you know, for every class, there was a couple years where it wasn't that they were bad people or that they were necessarily mean, Mm -hmm. but they just weren't the best teacher for me. Right. You know, Uh, I had one teacher who was very unorganized. Mm. um, And for a kid, you know, with ADHD who struggles to stay on task, you know, that wasn't a great fit for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure I learned anything that year, right, right. you know, academically. And that's okay. I mean, it's okay. I, I think that was, that was, well, I won't say what year it was because I just don't want to offend anybody. And then in junior high and high school, I had teachers who, I mean, I had one teacher once, a math teacher, bring me up in front of the class and basically say, you got a D minus on your test. Mm-hmm. And here's why I think you're failing in my math class kind of a thing and embarrassed me in front of the whole class intentionally, you know, and that was not great. Yeah. Um, But I even remember telling my parents about it and they were like, well, there's going to be people in life who, you know, treat you wrong. Right. And it doesn't mean you should necessarily accept abusive behavior from people. But Mm -hmm. like you said, it's not a waste. We, we have to teach our kids that not everybody in their life is going to like them and that's okay mm-hmm. that they may clash sometimes with people that they're going to have difficult right. bosses someday maybe mm-hmm. or or people in authority over them i think the knee-jerk reaction to instantly pull them out of those situations every time we really should evaluate that right right you know this year um this last year my son came home they had two teachers in their class and he said um this one teacher is so mean and I'm like, okay. So, you know, I kind of listen and I kept asking questions. What do you right. mean? And he kept saying, she's so yelly. Like mm. she yells a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, are the, you know, it's probably hard to wrangle a bunch of first graders. Mm-hmm. And and the next day he'd say, oh, she's just so mean. Okay. So as we started talking about it, we started um, praying for her on the way to school. Mm. And I'm like, okay, we don't know why she's yelly, you know, because mm. he said, maybe I need to switch classes. I'm like, no, I think we're just going to work through this, you yeah. know? And what we found out shortly after was that her husband had died like two weeks before school oh, started man. and she was a new teacher at this school. And when I found that out, I'm like, oh, what a, like, this is probably why she's grieving. She's hurting. Yeah. And when yeah. I told my son that, he was like, oh, that's sad. That's why she's yelly. Right. You know? And so it helped us kind of work through that. Now, there may not always be a circumstance, you know, a reason why people are acting the way they are, but it was, you know, something that helped us help me teach him like we're gonna overcome this you Mm -hmm. will preserve you're not going to die in this class you're fine and it helps him learn empathy for someone else you know kids don't always comprehend the fact that teachers are people just like them i mean remember when you were little and you would like see your teacher at the movie theater it would be like oh my gosh they're out of they leave the school yeah they leave the school they don't (laughs) don't live there there. right so it just helps you know build empathy and Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah that's a really great lesson what about number two karis number two um i love this one uh is your kids need to learn to manage their own friendships that's hard it is hard it is hard because um and and obviously this is this is something you gauge at an age appropriate level right so the amount of inf- intervention that's appropriate at different levels uh, or different ages is going to be different for mm-hmm. you know little kids than for older ones but um you can give them wise input i think it's important to listen mm-hmm. but as much as possible i think 
one of the biggest things that school does is prepare our kids socially right. and help them learn how to manage conflict with, with their peers and how to work things out and how to ask for forgiveness when they've done something or grant forgiveness when somebody else has done something, even if that person doesn't ever apologize, doesn't right. ever ask for forgiveness. You know, it, it gives kids an opportunity to learn to forgive people in their hearts, even if, you know, they don't apologize and, and that sort of thing. So right. that's really hard. Yeah. When they're young, sometimes you're trying to figure out, do I step in? Do right. I not? Do I say something to the mom? Do I not? Like I just yeah. kind of err on the side of uh, wait, holding back and waiting typically. And usually mm-hmm. it works itself out, but we haven't had any too hard of things yet, but it's easy for me. I'm a people pleaser. So I'll, I'll tell my son like, no, you, you should go to that kid's party. Like, cause in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you should like, we please, you should do this because he will like you and then right. you'll have friends. And he's like, I don't really like him. I don't yeah. really, wa- I'm not really friends with him. Not, not why do I need to go to his party? But like, well, why are you forcing me to go? And I'm like, well, I guess if that's not someone, he's like, he's mean and he kicks me or whatever. I'm like, okay, right. then why am I pushing you to go to this right. kid's fret party? Because I'm, I'm worried what the mom's going to think of me or mm-hmm. that, you know, like I'm trying yeah. to s- very passively manage those relationships. Right. And it's really easy for us to even inadvertently kind of be serving our own motives and agendas when we're advising our kids or when we're helping them process through that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want their mom to not like me or I want them to have friends. And so, yeah, sometimes we do push them to do things they don't want to do because it's the right thing to do. I think that that's appropriate sometimes. Yeah. But a lot of the time, yeah, it's like, why are we making a big deal out of it? Or sometimes something will happen and it bothers me a lot, but it didn't bother mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, why, why, why make a big deal out of it yeah. if they let it go. aren't making a big deal yeah. out of it? So, awesome. yeah. And I think for me, we, you know, as my kids have gotten older, there have been only a few times where I have made calls to parents. Mm-hmm. And those have been times where either my one of my daughters has shared with me something or even um their friend has shared something with me that i feel like is a danger to them sure. in a real way things right. like suicidal thoughts or you eating know disorders. eating disorders cutting mm-hmm. you know severe depression things like sure. that um and and so that isn't even really like conflict between them and my kids but you do you're navigating do I say more? Do I do more? And something that's helped me is to just ask myself, would I want or appreciate a call from another parent in this scenario? Right. You know, and if it's just like our daughters are fighting Mm -hmm. at school and, you know, sometimes it's like, I don't know what you want me to do. Right. What can you do? um, But other things where you know, it's it's something that if my daughter was struggling with that or going through that, I would want somebody yeah. to call me. Right. Um, and in one situation, you know, it, it was my daughter uh, who told me this was going on with her friend. I called her friend's mom, even though my daughter's like, I'm really afraid she won't want to be my friend anymore if mm. you tell her mom. And we had to kind of decide together that that might happen. Yeah. But you actually care more about your friend's life and safety than you even care about having that perfect relationship with her. It's right. more important. You know, she matters more than, to you than even her friendship does. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that friend was angry with her for a long time. And then it was funny. That friend had a similar situation happen to her. Wow. Where she had to tell her mom and her mom had to step in wow. for another 
friend. And so she really kind of saw the other side of it and saw has come value. back around. Yeah. Oh, so there's a, it's That's a lot. Hard. That's a big one. Yeah. So. Little, little people, little problems, right? Yeah. Big kids, but big problems. <laughs> I don't know. Little people, big problems, I feel like. Oh, so, okay. Let's talk about lesson number three, Michelle. Yes. <clears throat> this is a, a tricky one. So lesson three is your kids might be bothered. And and what we're saying is it doesn't mean, I'm trying to be careful of this, our, our world uses the term bullying pretty recklessly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're not talking about actual bullying, right? Where somebody has an intent to harm, there's an imbalance of power, there's mm-hmm. repeated acts or threats of aggressive behavior. Yeah. We're not talking about yeah. it. We're talking bullying about... Bullying tends to be systematic too. Right. Where it's, it's over time, it's consistent, and yeah. it's a systematic behavior to mm-hmm. try to manipulate and harm somebody else. Right. right. Where my ki- sometimes our kids sometimes will say, oh, uh, you know, being I, I didn't get invited to that party. That's not, you're not being bullied. Or he accidentally pushed accidentally pushed me while we were playing football mm-hmm. during right, recess. Right. Like he's bullying me. No, yeah. it, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't right. to harm you. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just kind of sorting through that. Right. And um, I know my son, uh, one night when I was tucking him in pretty recently at the end of the school, he was like, mom, I don't have any friends. And he was crying. And I, I was thinking like, really? Because I see when I drop you off, everyone screams your name and comes running and they do all these like bro hugs and all this. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Okay. I'm kind of surprised by that. You know, they're all on the same team outside of school. And he's like, yeah, I just, I feel like everyone bullies me. And you know, as a mom, that's like red flags are going up. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean bullying? So we had to keep, you know, asking questions. And basically it came down to the fact, oh, bless his heart. He's such a little lover. He's like, mom, basically my friends like me, but other people don't really pay a ton of attention to me. And I'm like, okay. He's like, so that's kind of like they're bullying me. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Oh, no. No, they're just really not that into you. Well, I didn't yeah. say that, but I'm thinking like, you have great friends just because yeah. he's like, but not everybody wants to hang out with me. I'm like, well, that's okay. Yeah. So then he said, mom, you know, there's a buddy bench at school, which there's like this very weird shaped dragon bench at school. And apparently... Apparently, it's on the playground, and if you need a buddy, you're supposed to sit on it, uh-huh. and then you're, you know, periodically you're supposed to check and see if somebody needs a friend. So he's like, I even sat on the buddy bench one day, and no one came. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Where, where, where were your friends? He's like, oh, they were all busy playing football. I'm like, well, why didn't you go play with them? He's like, I just was feeling lonely. I'm like, okay, oh, well, and he's, he started crying hard. And he's like, and guess what? The buddy brunch broke, so I have no hope next year. And I started laughing. He's like, it's not funny. I'm like, well, it's funny because you have so many friends, and yeah. yet you're feeling like it, it, it's not funny. But it's just it's his perspective as a seven year old, right? Like, right. Not, it was kind of like, okay, this. Is a good opportunity. You have great friends. You're not being bullied. Not everyone wants to be friends with you because everyone has different preferences, and that's right. okay. They might they might and not, not everybody can hang or... out with everybody all exactly. the time, yeah. and that's fine. But yeah. also, are you looking for people on the buddy bench? Right. The broken buddy bench. That was <laughs> rest bench. in peace, buddy bench. Are you looking for the people that are by themselves? Because like he has pretty good self esteem. He has a good group. And right. So I I know that he was just kind of overly tired that night. But, yeah. Um. It was just a good opportunity to kind of talk through what is really bullying and right. are you being a friend to the friendless or are you always expecting people to see you right out right exactly well and and I mean this this is a big one because it is you do have to tease out the difference mm-hmm. between your kid just being bothered because kids are you know all the kids at school are fellow sinners just like our kids they all are you know developmentally you know learning and their brains are still development Mm -hmm. developing they don't have all the social skills in place 
they all may be dealing with various hardships at home or whatever, right? Like, it's just tough to be a kid when you're learning everything and you have no control over nothing, right? And so these behaviors aren't necessarily bullying in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so now schools are like, we have zero tolerance for bullying and they're cracking down on it. And there are these great things like buddy benches, which I think are a great idea, Mm -hmm. right? But yeah, I do think it's important that we help our kids understand the difference between systematic Mm -hmm. behaviors, which all those things we named, they might be part of bullying behavior if they're used consistently within a system of of oppression right Right, and manipulation and and aggression and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. right but they aren't necessarily bullying in and of themselves and Mm -hmm. so we want our kids to learn to be resilient and to learn to be able to deal with those difficult things Mm -hmm. without it um you know without it completely killing their their psyche and their self-esteem and their mental health and Mm -hmm. and you know there are psychologists now that that uh, you know the big theory right now and is why Uh, you know, kids are seeing so many more mental health problems now than they were 10 or 15 years ago. Some of it is is exposure to social media, but the big thing is a lack of resiliency. We're not Mm. teaching our kids to be resilient, right? to face the hardships, get through them, and then to learn that they can be okay, Yeah, right? And so I think this you know, bothering versus bullying thing is important because it can help teach our kids that resilience that's really going to safeguard them mm-hmm. against some difficult mental health, you know, issues that they yeah. can face. They might face those anyway, mm-hmm. but I think it's a great kind of inoculation process yeah. for them. So, okay. So our fourth and kind of last tip, and this is a hard one. This is such a hard one for parents, oh, yeah. but it's your kids will fail. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to mess up in big things and in little things, in their behavior, in their relationships, in their academics, in yeah. sports, in, you know, music, whatever it is that they try mm-hmm. in order for them to get better at something, they've got to fail at it. Mm-hmm. But I just think in our in our day and age now, there's just so much pressure on parents to be perfect. And yeah. they're so, and then we, we transfer that onto our kids that they are perfect. And, and, you know, Sonia in her blog even talks about just the like crazy process of applying for college and, mm-hmm. and getting into school. She's like, it's so, so different now than it even was 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it starts so much earlier. And so right. kids have so much pressure on them yeah. so much earlier yeah. to, to build these incredible resumes and they feel like there's no space in their life for them to make mistakes. They feel like there's yeah. no space in their life for them to just try something and see if it works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband works in an industry that is all about innovation and creativity. And one of the things he's noticing as he's hiring people who are younger, who are kind of this generation that's coming up from from school and, and university now, is that nobody wants to make any mistakes. Mm. And everybody is so afraid to make mistakes that it hampers creativity, sure. it hampers innovation, Yeah, and he can't get anybody to just try, try something. Yeah, And so he's even had to put policies in place that basically say, I want you to fail. Wow. If you're not failing, you're not trying and um, has made failure a positive. Right. Even. Yeah. Um, and like, failure isn't always a positive, but no. it can be in so many things. Right. And it's an exceptional teacher. I mean, and we know this to be true because we've, 
you and I have failed at things, right? We've right. experienced failure in right. sports or music or school. Right. And um, sometimes it's terrifying to fail and to let our kids fail. And it can be excruciating, yeah. sometimes tender the, the, the effects of that. But that's when we need to let them know that we'll walk through them, you know, to walk these consequences by right. their side. Right. And then we'll celebrate when we get to the other right. side. Yeah. And we have faith that they can try again. I mean, right. that's how our great God you know, it parents us, exactly. right? Like we fail all the time and he's right. like, okay, he's I'll walk, us. I'll walk yeah. with you, with you through this. I can't right. say, um, I think about, um, how terrible I was at math all through high school and mm-hmm. college. I just, I don't get it. And my freshman year of college, I was taking algebra, like the most entry level, level algebra mm-hmm. you could ever get in. And this was already through struggling through high school in math. And I was on the honor. Like, I was a pretty decent good student, student yeah. but just always failed. Yeah, I math. remember that about you. You were always I on the honor roll. You were always a good student. Studied hard. Studied, yeah. Oh. Like, I, I mean, I wasn't like the principal's list. Let's, like, let's be. I was like a good, solid B plus you were, student. Yeah, you were the top side of average. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Don't give me too much credit. But in my freshman year of college, um, I struggled and I kept, I, I would literally get like 17% on a math test. And I started coming in at lunch, like, or, or before class for like a half hour. And bless his heart, this guy, he kept working with me and his teacher. And he would lay it all out and ask me the question, help me work through it. I'm like, I, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. And I just had this blank look every time. He'd be like, you don't see the answer? I'm like, no. So he helped me, helped me. And then at the end of the year, I had a 32%. And he called me in his office and I was playing uh, volleyball and I needed to maintain a certain grade point average. Right. And he said, here's the deal. I'm going to pass you with a C, even though you got a 32% in college math. <laughs> and he said, I've not, I don't do this. This is not like me. But yeah, I just don't think you taking this class again is even going to help you. <laughs> He's like, you just don't get it. And, <laughs> and you're not, gonna you're get not it. going to get it. Even if you took like this class every semester, it's just not going to click in that brain of yours. So just promise me you won't become a math major and I will pass you with a C. Oh my goodness. And I was like, Woohoo, I promise. And so I laughed and I told yeah. my parents and they were, and they had walked through this with me, like, you know, tutors, all, through, all yeah. that. And they were like, honey, I know you just don't get it. Yeah. But like, we understand and let's just not take any more yeah. And I was fine with that. But I was, I felt like I am such a failure. I, failure. I'm trying so hard and I cannot figure out yeah. these fractions or yeah. whatever it is, yeah. you know? Well, and failure has so many facets. I mean, it can be something that we do that's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Or in a relationship, something that we mess up or drop the ball or let somebody down. Yeah. But so often failure is just us trying something that doesn't work right. or in your case and and my case I was the same way with math and mm-hmm. my my college math teacher passed me uh, on a pity yeah, note exactly. too right. just because I was a journalism major and yeah. he was like this is the last math t- class you'll ever have to take exactly let's just call it good mm-hmm. you know but so often we work so hard to get better at something that we just naturally are not good at Mm. rather than putting that effort into something where maybe we're getting a B and we could get an A. And I think that applies in life too. It's like, you know, I'm never going to be an incredible athlete. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not how I was wired. I could spend so much time. I mean, physical fitness is one thing you know, exercise, but like, I'm never going to be a great athlete, but God gave me gifts in music and Mm -hmm. in writing and in, in speaking. And so that's what I do. It's like, I'm not going to be, I'm never going to be an accountant. I'm not going to be good at spreadsheets. 
you know, so I think it's okay for our kids to see like, yeah, you're be good, good at, at other things. Yeah, right? we're not going to be great at <laughs> it's everything. okay. Yeah. And I, and I did well in sports, but I tried strings orchestra for one year i couldn't read a note i pretended to play music for an entire year i played the cello what is that oh thing i called? played the, the bow? cello too oh my gosh is that called a bow that yes, long thing it's a bow okay i just love that was it horsehair on there i don't mm-hmm. know i hair. never touched it to the strings i just pretended so you just like oh it's like mouthing the words in choir or something yes i just copied jonathan next to me because he was good he had been in orchestra i started this fifth grade i just copied him and i loved that giant cello on and off the yellow school bus every day clanking it through every row and my parents were like honey why don't you pick the violin it's a little smaller and in my mind I'm like well I can't read music anyway I'm just faking it till I get through the year and I'm gonna drop this like a bad habit I'll stick with sports so we like but I had to fail I had to try it I had to realize I didn't know how to read music and was tone deaf and then I and then you're like you moved on you're like all right I'm good at what a waste of a of a year of orchestra but (laughs) well kids are all gonna are going to fail and we have to be okay with that. We do try to rescue them from mm-hmm. those things, and almost to see failures as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yep, because the, like you said, it's the the best way to learn, mm-hmm. and and it teaches our kids what we were talking about before that resilience that you can yeah. try something, you can fail, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to sin, but you know, just like our heavenly Father comes alongside us and says, yeah. "Look, I'm here for you, and I love you just the way you are." Mm-hmm. Having that support from from the Lord, but then also from their parents, um, it puts them in a place where they feel safe to make mistakes, but then to grow from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And some of the, the years through, you know, high school and college, um, some of the best lessons I learned were from failure. And um, it, it really was um, a wonderful time for me to have to depend on the Lord. And I think that is how we should view it as parents is this is our time to be on our knees and to be independence of God who is bigger than us mm-hmm. and loves our kids even more than we do. Yeah, exactly. And what better time for them to make mistakes than while they're under our roof? Right. Right. You know, I rejoice when my kids face dilemmas and whether they succeed or fail in those instances, I'm just glad that I get to lock, to, to walk alongside mm-hmm. them while they're going through this. Right. Because once they get older and they're not under our roof anymore. We can't give them the same kind of um, hands-on wisdom and can't guide them quite as well from that distance. Mm -hmm. It it gets harder. And so we want them to make those mistakes and learn from those mistakes Mm -hmm. now while Mm -hmm. the, while the stakes are lower. Right. You know, so this school year isn't as so much of just about our kids learning it as parents we have a lot to learn and areas where we can grow um, in our faith and in our role as moms and dads absolutely and and grace plays a huge part Mm -hmm. in that so giving ourselves grace giving our kids grace and giving each other grace yeah and if you want additional resources if you want to read sonia's blog post it's on our website at familymatters.net And we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to email us and we can be praying for you or answer any questions you might have as you're navigating this school season. And our email is family at familymatters.net. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Grace-Based Families podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministries. For more podcasts and resources, check us out on familymatters.net slash podcast or stream us on all major podcast platforms. 
Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.